Hey everyone, welcome to episode 11 of Cop and Daughter. I'm Cop. And I'm Daughter. So in this episode, we are continuing with our Netflix docuseries. Yes. And we're still sort of in that like, okay, let's just do something a little bit lighter. Uh, not talk about serial killers and all this violent uh, stuff. And not that we are certainly going to return to all, yeah. <laughs> return to all that. And again... Um, I laugh. Don't mean to be lied about it, but it, it, it there's like this fascination, just yeah. this like, okay, this is a crazy world that we live in and there's some pretty crazy things that happen and right. we're we're fascinated by it and certainly don't mean to make light of how people are impacted by all those things. So maybe more of a little bit of a, a nervous laughter on, like my, coping. on my, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's funny that you even say that because I do remember being on a call as a police officer where I was laughing and there was a dead person inside the house and they heard me laughing and I got called out on it. And who are you talking to? Uh, so I was talking to my Sergeant uh-huh. and we were laughing. There was like me, my Sergeant, um, another officer who was, I won't go totally into who he was, but he, he was, he, he became a detective. He left the police department and then he came back. And before he got promoted back to detective again, he kind of had like this one year period where he had to work as an officer mm. before they would move him back. To, so we're standing outside, you know, the corners there dealing with a dead body and we're joking and I laugh. And it's just, even in that, the, the people who we were dealing with, it was, um, again, human beings, but it was a very just, uh, I I don't know how to to put words into it in terms of just um, I feel like much of their situation they brought upon themselves mm-hmm. and even even the deceased had had done things to for his yeah. life to not be as as long as it could have been but the brother of the deceased was like I'm glad you can laugh my brother's dead and it was actually a sergeant, tall sergeant that you know, oh, <laughs> who yes. eventually was promoted to captain. And he looks at me and he goes, I'm, he's like, you know, you used to be a pastor. I'm going to volunteer you to do the service for this poor guy since you're out here laughing at his death. Oh, no. And I was new enough and I was young enough that I was like, like I didn't, th- like I did not get that he was kidding. And I think this look of like just horror came yeah. over my face. And then they started <laughs> Laughing. laughing and they're like, were you laughing I got about you. the situation? No, no we were talking about something. Like, com- we were okay. talking about something like completely Not even related, different. Yeah, yeah, and and then even in that, like, I mean, there. So it's you don't want to make light of the situation, but it, like there is some comedy. Like it's truly yeah. like a comical situation. So at one point we were carrying the dis- and this is even after this situation. The corner mm-hmm. gets the corner comes on scene. Medical examiner, there's different terms for it for different places. Yeah. But that person comes in, they've done what they've done. Now it's, now we have to put a, you, you actually put these bodies in a body bag. Right. Zip the body bag on it, you tag it, and then you have to carry them out. Well, we were in a mobile trailer and this person weighed 300 plus pounds. Hmm. And if you remember either of the Willy Wonka. Yeah. Violet. Oh, the blueberry, yeah. Turns into a giant blueberry. Well, uh-huh. this guy was very large. He was bloated, and he was purple. Oh, 
And so that was the first thing about all this was every time I looked at this poor dead guy, I'm thinking Violet turning into a blueberry because oh, no. he was giant, he was bloated, and he was purple. But then we have him in the body bag and we're leaving the trailer, so a mobile trailer, and we literally fell through the floor because he was so heavy. Oh, no. Yes. So the floor in the mobile trailer collapsed because there was like three of us kind of navigating, trying right. to hold his body and carry him out. So anyway, not a tangent that we had planned to go down on that one, but it is just a, it, it, it's just this odd, yeah. just dichotomy, this tension of you're dealing with death, you're dealing with sadness, but in it there are. I mean, it was fun. Like, like yeah. in the moment, we're like, "Oh my gosh, this is horrible!" Right. And then we go back to the station, and again, the stories you start going, and, on, you're, and, yeah. you're, and you're laughing about I, it. And I so, feel like it's the same, but not. But like, I am terrible about when someone gets hurt in front of me. I laugh. Like my first instinct is not to go. Well, I guess that's not true. But I start la- like when mom fell and mm-hmm. broke her hip after the initial like uh, adrenaline wore off. We both were kind of like laughing at the situation. And yeah, I think it's just kind of that coping of like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and the other thing I'll just tell you is, you know, there's kind of that, (laughs) the golden rule, (laughs) do unto others as you have done unto yourself. I I feel like I could laugh if that was me in that situation. Like, like I, I just don't take myself that seriously. Yeah. Um, I certainly take the job of being a police officer seriously, but at the same time, there's just like that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I need to work on that myself of just like figuring out what that is in terms of, like you said, it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. But I think there's also that element for me of just like, life is kind of funny and death is funny. Like I just, the whole thing yeah, to me is just sort of like. Do you think too, it could be a, you know, like you've talked about how the job can make you kind of jaded. Oh, I, I, yeah. Do you feel like you kind of have to look at it that way a little bit or it does get too like dark and you know i like and and i guess that's where i'm like a little bit like i feel like there's just an element of like some of it's just funny mm-hmm. like yeah. our, our, like the human existence and the things that we deal with like some of it is just funny like losing a family member is always sad right but i can like so it's not even it's not even my it's, it's so if i put myself in the position of the family member Mm-hmm. sad if i put myself in the position of the deceased i feel like i can you could laugh yeah i can laugh because i'm like okay and i think i've even joked about that with you guys about like like one of the things that's coming to my mind are these poor little dogs that get eaten in florida by alligators mm-hmm. you know like to me that is funny yeah <laughs> <Those little dogs laughs> are getting eaten by alligators and for the poor person that owns that dog it's, it's a very awful. sad it's awful anyway so yeah a bit jaded but yeah dealing with it so I don't even know. Have we talked about what we're talking about tonight? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Okay. So, so we, we're not dealing with any of these things. We're talking about the the Netflix uh, docu series uh, "Bad Vegan." Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna throw it back to you. Do you want to kind of give us just an overview of what "Bad Vegan" is about? Yes. So this documentary um, was it focuses on the restaurant Pure Food and Wine, which was a raw vegan restaurant in New York City. And I didn't realize this until I was we were reviewing the documentary and I was reading some things online. So when they say raw, they didn't have like any ovens in yeah, the restaurant. It's, so yeah. it's like under it's like not, not cooked, cooked food. <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't make that 
connection when I was first watching the the documentary. Um, but Pure, Pure Food and Wine opened in 2004, um, and it was opened by Sarma Mengelis and Matthew Kenny. Um, and the documentary kind of goes on to tell the story of Pure Food and Wine and talks about the fraud and embezzlement that took place um, with Sarma and her spouse, uh, Anthony Strangis, who also goes by Shane Fox. Um, so it's kind of the story of like how the restaurant got started, how Sarma and Anthony met, and then um, the eventual closing of the restaurant and how it got to that place. Yeah. So um, this is a very hip place in New York City. Uh, it's visited by celebrities, so um, yeah, presidents, professional sports figures. So mm-hmm. there's there's big names going to this place. But yeah. they kind of describe it as it still has this, like, friendly place, yep. like not pretentious or whatever. Right. And, I, you know, my opinion – Sarma from the very beginning, like she knows kind of what she's after. Mm -hmm. She knows what she wants. And while she ends up being in a relationship with this Matthew Kenny guy, I very much get this feeling like, you know, she sees an opportunity to align herself with this guy. He is on like good morning America and all these like big shows and is a name that people name. And so she aligns herself with him. He's very attractive. She's very attractive. So, Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 from the beginning with her, just get this sense of she's not used to being told no. Yeah. She knows how to work the system. She understands that to be successful, you kind of have to align with important people. Mm -hmm. You have to have money. And she's good at playing that game or good at at, at working that system to get um, what she wants. And so she ends up, like you said, uh, moving on from Matthew and getting with Anthony and he initially introduces himself as Shane Fox. And what does he kind of, so she meets him through Alec Baldwin. Yes. He's a celebrity. Yeah. And even she, they even kind of alluded to the fact that Alec maybe wanted, was interested in Sarma. Right. She was not interested. Yes. In yeah. So uh, she, Alec and Sarma were good friends. Um, at some point, Alec convinced Sarma to get a dog, Leon, who becomes like her pride and joy. Um, and I think that later kind of ties into a little bit of the interaction between her and Anthony, um, just the importance that the dog had to her and how he kind of used it to yeah. manipulate. But um, so Anthony, but identifying as Shane Fox on Twitter, was interacting with Alec Baldwin. And so through that connection, Sarma and Anthony, at the time Shane, uh, were interacting over um, Twitter. So it was like an online relationship kind of thing. And then that was in 2011. And then in 2012, they like made their relationship official or whatever. Um, And I think later that year as well, they secretly get married. Yeah. So they're secretly married, um, and a lot of Sarma's friends in the documentary, I think, touch on that it didn't seem like Sarma actually married because she was interested in Anthony. It was more of a, 
kind of a business transaction thing of like he had promised her um, that he was going to help pay off the debt that she had. Um, you know, she was in, she was loaned $2 million to own that business of pure food and wine. And so she was still in the process of paying that back. So I think initially it, um, you know, they highlighted that she could have maybe been trying to con him into like, all right, we're going to get married and then you pay off my debt and we're good to go. Um, but it ended up kind of reversing and backfiring on her a little bit. Um, so initially Anthony identifies as, um, a black ops. Yeah. He like works with black ops or something. Yeah. So he's like a mercenary, kind of somebody that gets paid to be a soldier. Yeah. And when this is going on, I mean, we're post nine 11. So some of that stuff is going on overseas and Mm -hmm. probably not that difficult to believe. Yeah. Um, but he's very, he's got like this secret life and secret mm-hmm. makes himself out to be more important than he probably really is. And I'm right. sure all this is a lie. Like none yeah. of this is ever substantiated. So. Right. Um, so not only does he promise Sarma money for her debts, he also promises her that if she um, like passes certain tests, he can grant her and her dog Leon Immoral, not immor- immorality. Immorality. Yeah. Never die. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of a consistent immortality. Immor- immort- yes, <laughs> I was like, it, not immoral. Yeah. Yeah, immortality. Immortality. Um, and so that's another kind of that's like the manipulation that comes up a lot. Um, yeah. So I think as we're kind of wa- watching the documentary, um, you have one side of it that's. Um, Sarma was brainwashed, manipulated, abused. And then there's also a piece of it of like, some of that's probably true, but some of that, like she's probably a little bit more at fault than is being identified or being acknowledged. Yeah. So that's, I think kind of the big debate about this docu-series is, well, maybe the whole situation, not just the docu-series is, was Sarma like responsible for what happened yeah, or was she brainwashed in all of this? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I guess I kind of look at it of, I, I certainly think she thought she was going to benefit yeah, from what Shane Anthony could do for her, mm-hmm. but I don't really feel like she was brainwashed in all of this. Like no. she was somebody that seemed to be comfortable with asking for people to give her mm-hmm. millions of dollars. Yeah. And I do think she thought this guy, for whatever reason, um, if she gave him the, so he, he frequently asked her for money mm-hmm. and we're talking like, t- like it was kind of like tens of thousands. Right. Here large and there. increments. Yeah. But large increments that also added up to even, even, yeah, yeah. So seven figure, uh, amounts. And so, um, yeah, like even, even as you listen, there's a lot of like phone conversations mm-hmm. between her and him. And when she's talking to him, like there's always kind of this, like, at least in my opinion and what they show again, we're dependent on what they show in the right. series. 
Like, she's always like, when am I getting my money? Yeah. Like, you know, and then he kind of throws back to her, like, you got to pass the test. And you, mm-hmm. and I, like, I never buy that she really believes there's a test, but she's really more interested in getting her money, money back. yeah. And not just getting her money back, but getting more money. Right. So. Yeah. I think, too, there's some of it of, like, because I, like, the phone conversations that they show, I do think he had more of, like, a aggressive, you know, dominating personality. And so I could kind of see it being like, she wasn't brainwashed, but she was, she felt stuck. Like she was in too deep. And so it was better to just go along with it than to try to get out of it. And like, maybe even was fearful of like how he would respond if she left or, um, so in that sense, I could understand like the manipulation piece of it, but I don't think that she wasn't unaware of. Yeah, I I don't buy that she was completely like just brainwashed and didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Um, Because like even with this series, she says at the very beginning of it why she's doing it. And what does she give as the reason why she's doing it? That she gets something out of it. Well, kind of gets something out of it. I mean, she passes on. She gets paid for it in order to pay the employees that she owes. So, mm-hmm. like, at the very beginning, she's like, I just want everybody to know that, like, in a normal documentary, you don't get paid. Oh, yeah. But I've, like, I've chosen to do this in order to be able to pay my employees. Yes, yeah. And so, for me, I'm like, okay, even in that, like, she is definitely has, like, this, like, she's kind of got this pragmatic, like, it's all a means to an end kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I will do whatever it takes to get what I need to make these things happen. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so 2014 uh, was when um, Anthony and Sarma started taking funds from the restaurant. Um, and the, at, about that same time was when they kind of started to go on the run. They were staying at different hotels in different states and over in Europe. I think she was in like Rome or something for a mm-hmm. long period of time. And while this was going on, her employees weren't being paid. They had gone like months without receiving a paycheck. Yeah. Um, and initially, like when the restaurant started and up until really she met Anthony, Sarma was super involved with the restaurant. Like if you went to eat at Pure Food, you were going to see Sarma. Mm-hmm. And then after she met Anthony, she kind of started disappearing wasn't around as much communication was limited and so when they were on the run employees were trying to contact her and she was not responding or was responding but it was later discovered that it was actually anthony responding as sarma yeah um and so um i think winter of 2015 um the employees staged a walkout Basically said, if we're not getting paid, we're not working. Um, and the restaurant closed later that year. Yeah. Um, and then uh, in 2016, they were, um, they, Sar- Sarma and Anthony had been in Tennessee in their like hiding state. Um, and Anthony places a Domino's order. <laughs> Um, for pizza and wings, and that was what eventually led the um, 
authorities to finding Sarma and Anthony and arresting them. Yeah. And then they were convicted in 2017 for various different fraud charges. Yeah, and so, like, the media totally ran with the whole, like, the veganness Mm-hmm. ordering yeah. a pizza and chicken wings and it wasn't it wasn't her it was right. him and i think the documentary even does a good job of just sort of distancing them on that thing but so yeah while while they're on the road i mean i think it becomes clear to her that you know he has a gambling problem mm-hmm. and that's where much of this money is going to yes. is gambling but even in that they initially they spend some time in las vegas and she's kind of seeing like his system work a little bit where he, mm-hmm. he will win like six thousand, seven thousand dollars. Yeah. And so I'm sure like even in seeing that, she's probably like, okay, like he's he's got a reason for why he does what he does and mm-hmm. it'll it'll come around. But again, like I, I just don't feel like at any point like she was completely a victim in all this. Like yeah. I think there was an element of she I don't I, I don't enjoy maybe too strong of a word. But I think she was like grateful to kind of get away from what was going on yeah. in New York and the and the the conflict that was going on with the restaurant. And mm-hmm. you know, while it was difficult for her to find healthy food to eat and she was kind of alone, I think it was to a certain extent for her just kind of a a break, a separation yeah. to get away from the chaos yeah. and everything that was that was going on. So yeah. So they end up they end up getting arrested, which, as we've talked about here before, you know, for somebody to get to go to court and get tried and actually get sentenced, there has to be kind of like a beyond a reasonable doubt mm-hmm. piece. And mm-hmm. so for her to end up going to jail, people had to buy that she knew what was going right. on. Yeah. And I think that that kind of speaks volumes right there as to, yeah, you know ultimately where she was. And then even in that, before she goes into jail, she has a camera crew kind of following her around. So like, I feel like even in the back of her mind, like in all of this, she's like, Oh, this is, this is a good made for TV movie Mm -hmm. type thing. Yeah. And knew that she could use it Mm -hmm. to pay some of her debt back. So, um, so, um, how long does she spend in jail? How long does he spend in jail? Do you remember? Um, she, I think, was four months. And then he had, I think, one year in prison and, like, five years probation. probation. Yeah, and he was in jail the whole time because he couldn't bond out. So yeah. he, he like, served all his on the front end. Mm-hmm. And then as he's coming out, she's going in, which she kind of says that's annoying. But yeah, he did his time. She did her time. So. Right. Um. Had he done this to anybody else before? Had does he is this first time he's ever No. It no, it's not the first time. Yes, he has done it. Um he had been previously married and um when he I can't remember the wife's name for his previous marriage, um, but he had told her when they got married that he had an aunt who was going to sp- send them $5 million. Mm-hmm. And so they went kind of on living like they were going to end up with $5 million and it never came. And so they were, you know, broke and he was refusing to get a job. Um, and at that time he even, um, she touched on his gambling problem as well. So that had been something that he'd been doing previously, but he also had convinced her that he was being chased by demons. Yeah. Um, so that 
there's something <laughs> there that uh, I think, you know, because that kind of ties into that immortality piece that he um, played with Sarma. Yeah, I mean, this guy clearly has the ability to charm people and to convince them of lies. And, um, you know, if he'd really had his act together, he probably could have been a very effective cult leader and had yeah. <laughs> hundreds of people yeah. uh, of following him. Because, yeah, it, it, both with Sarma and the ex-wife, he has kind of that that spiritual element to everything that he does. And, you know, I, I think for anybody that has never experience somebody like that it's easy to go how do you believe these things how did you allow this to happen and how did you get in this situation and i i just think there's there's enough stories in throughout history of charismatic leaders Mm -hmm. and uh swindlers i i mean people there are just some people that are very good at this yeah and it's kind of they're just natural that they can get people to do things that don't doesn't seem rational, mm-hmm. doesn't seem, and so if you've never been, and, and I don't, I would not put myself in that category of I don't feel like I've ever been around that, but I've seen the effects of it. I've seen rational yeah. people do things that you're like, like why did you think this was? In mm-hmm. and, and I, I suppose there's an element of you know kind of even like I think with Sarma of you hope it's true, like you don't just yeah. like. It's not like you've completely bought into it. Right. Yeah. So you're just like, you're hopeful. You're, you're thinking mm-hmm. you're going to be benefiting out of this situation. And for whatever, you know, calculation that they, they do, they decide the risk is worth it. And yeah, so they find themselves in that. And then in the, in this particular case, like you mentioned, I think Sarma was one of those ones where she ends up just getting deeper and deeper mm-hmm. and deeper. And so it's very difficult yeah. To remove herself um, yeah. from the situation. Yeah. Well, I think, too, it would be embarrassing to be like, I have, you're not getting a paycheck because yeah. my secret husband gambled it all away. Right. You know. Yeah, because she was very well liked. Mm-hmm. Her, her, the people that she worked with were like family. Yeah. I One guy said, he was like, if this hadn't happened, we'd all probably still be working at Beer, Food, and Wine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a testament of the environment and Sarma's personality and character. And I think she just got stuck and didn't know how to get out. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I, like I said, I I just think it's, it's a very unique individual that can manipulate others to this extent. And if you come across those people and are in their kind of crosshairs, it's very difficult to not get, Mm-hmm. hold into that world that they've created, yeah. whether it be a cult, whether it be fraud, whether it just be. Um, so, yeah, I, I I don't completely understand it. I haven't spent extensive time studying it, but I have just seen, again, like I said, those moments where you're like, like why did you think this was mm-hmm. real? This seems so. Yeah. Um, when it was all kind of said and done, one of the things that the series uh put Sarma on the spot for is how much the total ends up being Mm -hmm. and what, if you take all the collateral damage, including her mom and like taxes and Mm -hmm. things that weren't just necessarily directly paid to Anthony for him to, well, maybe it all went to Anthony, but um, where the money went, what is the grand total? Six million. Yeah. So it's like $6 million. 
And I think, she, you know, in the document, she, she documentary, she's even a little bit like, yeah, six million, six million. Like you reach this point where, yeah, it just it's becomes just so, and, yeah, yeah, so large. And, um, so very, very interesting, very fascinating. Um, I, this, I will say this a little bit. This is one of the ones that I was like, okay, this could have been one episode, so maybe two, yes, and it it's four. four. Yeah, <laughs> and I, and I know this is not the intent of our deal, but this was one of the ones that I watched where I was a little bit like, okay, this does not need to be four hours. Yeah, but whatever. We we live in a world where people like to binge stuff. Yes, yeah. Four hours is a little bit, but if you're relying on us to uh, give you uh, input on your TV viewing and your Netflix documentary docu-series, uh, this would be one that I'm like, not saying it's bad, not saying it's not worth it, but just be prepared that it's four hours long or four plus hours. And they probably spend more time on things that. I, not that's, I felt like watching it. It was almost hard to keep track of what was happening because mm-hmm. there were so many things thrown in there to, yeah. I think, make it longer. And yeah. Yeah. So even in that, there's there are two pieces I want to touch on. One, um, Anthony Shane creates an IT guy that doesn't even exist. Uh-huh. That Sarma, you know, interacts with him back and forth, thinking he's this. So it kind of is back to the black ops of yeah. like, I leave a se- secret life. I need your information, and so um, he gains a lot of access to her stuff with passwords and things mm-hmm. like that. And um, one, I think it had a you know, he was looking to fraud her, but two, I think that was one of the ways he was able to manipulate her mm-hmm. and find out things about her and what she was doing yes. that maybe she didn't directly tell yeah. him. And even in that, I feel like she knew that well before. Yeah. So, but yeah. she eventually calls out Anthony, like, I know this isn't Will, I know you're Anthony. And right. So that was one of the things I thought was interesting. And then I think my favorite character in this whole deal is the homeless guy. Yeah. Uh, that she also named Anthony. Is he I, really? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So yeah. So he's. Uh, I don't want to say typical New Yorker, but he's kind of got like this New Yorker accent, uh-huh. New Yorker like toughness about him. I was getting like uh, mob. Uh, yeah, he yeah. definitely has that sort of like. And and for that mean like this is not a dude I want to mess with. Right. But I also am like. I feel like if he's, if he's in your corner, there's mm-hmm. nothing this guy wouldn't do for you. But yeah. he was like in the whole thing, like um, he was kind of my my favorite guy. And um, don't don't totally need to go down that rabbit trail today. But um, it was something I think I found to be true of homeless folks that mm-hmm. I have interacted with in life mm-hmm. is they usually have a very fascinating story. Yeah, and um, are often some of the best people that you will meet. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of reiterated that for me. Yeah. Um, in terms of just um, his friendship with Sarma, his wanting to protect her. And then just even this sense of like, uh, you know, he's a homeless guy, but yet he was going to jump into a car and drive down to Tennessee to pick up her dog for her. Right. <laughs> yeah. She got arrested. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, salt of the earth kind of a guy. Um, you know, um, appearances aren't everything. Yeah. And so, um, uh, to me, there was a little bit of a, you know, a contrast between who Anthony Strangest slash Shane Fox and then her homeless friend. Like, mm-hmm. 
we so often can be drawn to these people that seem like they have their act together and they're yeah. doing all these cruel things and all this kind of stuff. And the reality is, is the better friend, the person that we could rely on mm-hmm. may not have the quote unquote means yeah. yet when it really boils down to it, um, they would drop everything for you. Right. So, yeah. all right. Well, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? That I do you not. Want to? All right. Well, this has been episode 11 of Cop and Daughter. We talked about Bad Vegan on uh, Netflix. I, You know, the other thing I think I would just say in all of this is I wish uh, Sarma nothing but the best and mm-hmm. hope that she is able to do something, which I yeah. don't know. Did you look? I, I know she has the one lucky duck website. Did you, did you do I much have, into what she's doing now or no. what's going on? Mm-mm. So, so I, you know, she's one of those people that for me, honestly, uh, I wish her nothing but the best and hope that's, that, that she gets, um, her situation, uh, back on track. Um, but we appreciate you very much, uh, listening to, uh, the most latest episode number 11 of cop and daughter. Uh, until next time I'm cop and I'm daughter. Stay safe. Public to help find him. We should know for you. You may find this footage disturbing.